up to $26,000 per employee? They call it the 15-minute refund, but it's not a gimmick. It's for business owners who stuck it out during the pandemic. The Employee Retention Tax Credit, or ERTC. But time is running out to get started. Talk to the experts. JWC Advisors at iHeartTaxRefunds.com. Who are they? CPAs who will keep you on the right side of the IRS. So do it the right way. Go to iHeartTaxRefunds.com. That's iHeartTaxRefunds.com. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. It's great to have you here. I know you're a busy guy, making sure that uh, the, the legal aspect of the startup world uh, remains uh, intact as much as you humanly possibly can. So thanks for taking some time out of your day to hang out hang out with us here at the Grit Daily Startup Podcast. The show is all about the, the world of startup, and I'm curious to learn what your experience has been, uh, for, especially from a legal standpoint, um, what your experience has been with the startup process, the good, the bad, and what we like to call the gritty. But before we get into all that, let's help our listeners better understand a little bit more about you and your backstory and what really brought you to present day with what you're doing right now. For sure. Yeah, I'm a partner at a law firm called Greenberg Lusker in Los Angeles. Uh, I focus mostly on startups and then on startup exits. Uh, you know, I got into this because I was a business major in college, originally wanted to be an investment banker, um, realized that I had like a bit of a soul. And so law was probably better for me. Um, then ended up going to law school, been practicing uh, for nine years now and, and working with a ton of really cool kind of uh, tech and entertainment and consumer product startups. Uh, you know, some of the recent ones we've done financings or exits for our uh, Barstool Sports uh, with Penn, you know, did their financings and then that really awesome exit. Uh, Skims, you know, done their financings from, you know, the very early days through their recent uh, supersized Series B. Um, and, and Liquid IV as well did their financings through their exit to uh, Procter & Gamble. So it's been pretty cool. It sounds like it. I mean, it's not your typical, you know, mundane, you know, law and contracts and, you know, the, I don't know all the rest of the attorney verbiage. I'm a podcaster for crying out loud, but um, it keeps it, I guess it would keep your, your job interesting, um, you know, w- w- within the startup space. That's obviously exciting being able to see people exit and putting deals together and, um, you know, severing deals, putting them together, fixing them, uh, et cetera. So, yeah, that leads me into what your primary focus really is. And you, you talked a little bit about some of the stuff you've done in your career here, but day to day, what's your primary focus uh, as a partner at Greenberg Glusker? Yeah, I would say, and the thing I love about this gig is that every single day is different. You know, today I've got meetings the rest of the day with a startup that's exiting and, you know, working on their MA deal, but it's, you know, counseling people at the very early stages as they're trying to pick like what kind of entity they're going to use. Uh, working with people through their financings, whether it's like their initial financings, um, you know, or, or a later series B or C or something like that. And then helping folks with like all of the other stuff that comes up in running a startup that people don't think about initially, you know, bringing on employees, you know, hiring C-level employees, talking about terms and, you know, what makes sense, building out option pools, uh, you know, doing agreements with vendors and things like that. You know, it's kind of everything soup to nuts. And it's really cool because, uh, you know, you get to work with folks over several years as they 
grow and develop and build their business. And, you know, I love just building relationships with my clients and, you know, figuring out like what makes them tick, what gets them excited about their companies. And, you know, we have this kind of mind meld eventually where like, I understand what they want to do and how they want to do it. Um, and then we work really seamlessly and it's awesome. So it's kind of surprising that, I mean, I guess it's just a lack of, you know, we don't know what you don't know, but you know, a lot of these startups have got these brilliant ideas and everything is in place to be able to, uh, you know, to, to launch the startup and, 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 proceed with the first rounds of funding and, and things of that nature. Uh, but they really don't know those ins and outs, those things that you, that you work with them on why, you know, I mean, obviously they need to get done. So it's, it's, I don't know if I want to say, why do you teach them those things? Of course, it's the obvious because they don't know them and it needs to get done. But I guess where, where's your desire really for all that? Cause it looks like it's just, it's, it's a little bit more than just the, the legal aspect that you're doing for, for these startups. Yeah, I mean, I really think of myself as like the most trusted initial business advisor for these companies, you know, because for most folks, it's maybe their, you know, first time doing this or second or, or you know, maybe even third if it's a serial entrepreneur. But for me, you know, I've been involved in literally hundreds of startups at this point. And so I've seen everybody's mistakes. I've seen, you know, what people have done properly and I've seen how people have dug themselves out of their holes. And so I think I just bring a lot of perspective from that, you know, that's really valuable for my clients. I bet. And you're, you know, you save them time and money too. And from, you know, not, not repeating those, those same mistakes. So you've been at the firm for about seven years now, you know, working with startups and you know, not that you're, you're an actual startup yourself uh, as a partner to law firm, but you've had plenty of exposure to the startup process and what has been in your experience, some of the biggest challenges of that startup process. Yeah, you know, I think one thing that people don't really think about um, that can create a ton of issues is that initial friends and family round. You know, a lot of times they get brought into companies right after the friends and family round. The company's finally got a little bit of cash. They maybe used LegalZoom to form themselves, but now they've got some kind of budget to hire a lawyer, bring on their their first hire, or build out an option plan. Um, and they present me with how they did their first friends and family round. And my initial thought is, oh no there's a lot here we've got to clean up or, you know, this is going to be a huge mess later on. And I think that's, a, that's just such an avoidable mistake um, that, you know, I'd love to educate people more on that. Yeah. So when you think friends and family, I mean, that could get a little complicated, couldn't it? I mean, it's back to the old adage of, you know, doing business with family or with friends on here, but is this a, the friends and family round a, you know, a very common practice within the startup world when, when, when seeking funding? Yeah, you know, I think some folks will call it an angel round if they're going out to their broader network. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say a lot of companies usually, you know, especially maybe pre the, the frothy market the last 18 months, but, you know, will raise their first bit of cash to get a proof of concept to actually raise money from institutionals from folks that they know or folks that, that are in their network. And, you know, there's a handful of mistakes I think people are, you know, really making there. And the first is like people are just, sometimes selling way too much equity in that round. You know, they don't have like a cap table going. They don't really understand um, what they're selling, if they're selling safes and convertible notes. Um, and then when we get to that first institutional round and they see, you know, what they own before their investor is coming in, there's a, uh, oh no moment where they realize, I just sold off 20% of my company for like 800,000 bucks. And now I'm selling off another 10 for, you know, a million bucks. You know, what, what, what did I do? Yeah, there's uh, 
there's uh, definitely some, the, the unknown there. <laughs> yeah. What did I do versus I didn't know that. And uh, I can see where you come in as not only, you know, from the legal aspect, but as a, as a business advisor and really helping them smooth that process out. And, you know, let's talk about like a, a scenario that you would have where they totally screwed it up and you came in and fixed it. Yeah, we, we had a client uh, or they've exited. We had a client and you know they did this friends and family around it. And the huge mistake that they made was they gave this one investor and it must have been, you know, some, I think it was an uncle and he must have watched 800 Shark Tank episodes because he was adamant that he was going to get anti-dilution protection and then a royalty on all the sales going forward. You know, it was like a classic, like if you watch Shark Tank type of deal. Um, and an institutional investor came in and, and that just became a total mess unwinding that because obviously nobody wants to have somebody who's on the cap table for under 10% uh, be stuck being unable to be diluted going forward. And then also getting a 1% royalty on all the sales. Like it's just a nightmare for somebody who put in less than hundred K to have these crazy aggressive protections and rights. Um, and so we ended up having to, uh, you know, give that guy kind of a big early payout from the money the company was raising from the institutional to, uh, you know, get back in line and, and go away and stop basically strangling the company. Right. Right. And then these are all common mistakes that take place when you don't have proper guidance. So I think it's a, it's a great show. It's encouraging. I like to see the, the ideas and stuff like that. But when, when you really get down to the nitty gritty of these deals, it's, it's, it's quite complicated. So, you know, we talked about some of the bad parts or not bad parts, but like what's the most challenging parts of the startup process. And I'm sure you can go on and on, you know, with, with, with this next question, but you know, what's been some of the best things other than helping your clients better understand what they don't know that they don't know? Yeah, I, I think one of the things I've enjoyed the most is just um, getting exposure to so many different businesses and learning so much about how different businesses and industries and things work. You know, it's I, I'm really inquisitive by nature, and so it's really cool to learn about all these different businesses and, and industries. It's, you know, it's fascinating. You, you kind of become like a uh, a little subject expert on a bunch of different things. Yeah. Well, I mean that that kind of comes with the territory with being an attorney, right? It does. And I think that's why a lot of people go to law school is because they like to be right about a bunch of different stuff. But uh, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this sounds a little bit more exciting to being, you know, stuck in litigation all day and knee deep in contracts trying, not that that's not part of the process on here, but when you've got something like you mentioned earlier, you know, every day it's something different that you're up against and something that you're doing, which does add some, you know, excitement to the job. Exactly. Yeah. And I think from my practice too, you know, a lot of what we do is consumer products, goods, um, you know, it's, it's entertainment, tech, you know, it's stuff that you can see and feel and touch out in the real world, you know, not that, uh, you know, SaaS software isn't really cool and valuable because it definitely is. Um, but there's something really nice about being able to like go to the store, buy your client's product, you know, taste it, try it, um, you know, really get to understand that, like how the consumers experience it rather than, uh, you know, some SaaS product, which, can be awesome and is awesome, but, uh, you know, I'm never going to be able to use. Right. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a huge, huge difference with that. So if someone's listening to this right now and they're like, wait a second, I'm about to get my first round of funding. We're about to do our first angel round. We're first to do our fin fr first friends and family. And this is all great information, but you know, if you had to sum it up, what information do these individuals really need to understand 
before moving forward with all this, just so we can, and even though we're being a little redundant talking about the same thing, I know you're deeply passionate about making sure people understand how to properly do this. So what's some of the best advice you can give somebody that may be in the beginning stages? And then we'll, we'll, we'll segue into what would you tell somebody that may have not done that specific advice and what, what kind of recourse can be done? Yeah. So I, I think kind of five things really thinking about you know, don't sell too much equity, like value your equity. It's the most important thing. Like that's your multiplier. That's your way to like make all this risk worth your while. Um, Don't go to too many people. You don't want this cap table that's crowded with, you know, every single person on your block um, or borough if you live in New York and they've all invested 5,000 bucks because eventually you're going to have to answer to them, deal with them, get signatures from them. And it's going to be a huge, huge, huge pain in your butt. Um, You know, don't give out crazy terms. Don't give out anti-dilution. Don't give out royalties. Just kind of stick to a playbook. Uh, you know, do safes or convertible notes. Ideally, a safe if you're a company because nobody's going to come back to you and uh, you know be able to to claw that money back later if you know God forbid things don't work out. And then there's a lot of folks that make promises about being able to like help give you access to angel investors. You know, brokers. That stuff never works out. I've, I've done a million broker agreements and I think I've, you know, one out of every 15, 20 times, you know, does any money come in and, and it's almost never worth it. Oh, good. Well, these are, uh, th- this is all solid information that you really need to understand. Uh, when, when, when going for this first round of funding, or if you've already done it and you're like, man, I might've screwed that up. That's exactly what we're talking about here. This is what Eric focuses on, on a daily basis. So, um, you'll be able to reach out to them and, and, and get in contact with them, look them up and get a consultation or have a conversation about what your process is. If you're listening to this right now, it's resonating. That's why we create episodes and content like this, because we want to be able to provide as many resources as possible through the information uh, that, that, that we're sharing. So what's on the docket for, for what we're recording this kind of the beginning of 2022. What, what's, what's on the, uh, on the chalkboard and the agenda for, for 2022. Not that you could say, well, we're working on this specific matter right now, but um, just any, any, any specific focus outside of what we've already been talking about. No, nah, it's uh, it's continued to be a busy year. You know, I, I don't think I've seen any slowdown yet from the interest rates or from the crazy stuff over in Europe. Uh, you know, still financing's moving ahead, full speed exits and stuff. Uh, you know, I think things are still really good. There's a lot of capital that was raised in the last couple of years, and folks need to deploy it. So it's a great time to be in the startup world. Yeah, you're telling me I'm in Miami. So I mean, <laughs> I'm in LA, so it's it's not too bad for me. Yeah, right. But, you know, a lot of a lot of my uh, my fellow Los Angelinos left for Miami. Right. Yeah. I mean, it turns into this is uh, yeah, this is the startup hub. If you ask anybody, I guess. <laughs> well, I guess every great city has a little uh, growing startup community or ongoing growing, too. So it's really fun to see uh, technology and uh, the way the world innovates through business and things like this. So, well, I mean, I learned I learned a ton based on what you've shared and what you do and how you work with startups as well. You're clearly doing work that matters, helping people make better decisions or make the right decision right out of the gate. So I want to encourage you to keep up the work keep up the great work. I really enjoyed uh, our conversation. And thanks again for taking some time to hang out with us here on the Grit Daily Startup Podcast. For sure. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been awesome. Thanks again, Eric. Bye-bye. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. 
Until next time, friends.